we're going to pray, but before we pray, I want to add something to the prayer list, all right? It's actually a post, a Facebook post from, um, I, don't, I think it was yesterday or this week, and Angie had sent it to me, and I asked Derek to show it to you this morning, and we're going to look at it right now, and it's Channel 11 out of Raleigh, and this was a, a post from, I think, yesterday, as a matter of fact. It says, the portion of Americans with no religious affiliation is rising significantly in tandem with a sharp drop in the percentage that identifies as Christians according to a new study. And you can actually go to that secular media outlet and read about that, abc11.com, and I... I haven't even read it yet because about two or three weeks ago, I ran across a Barna study or something that let me know about uh, that, and it, it bothers me more than I will tell you today, and it hurts me more than I can verbalize, and I want you to help me pray about this because if this doesn't bother you as a believer then I want to tell you, it needs to bother you. It needs to really upset you. It, it needs to make you want to do what they did in the Old Testament, which is go rend their clothes and sit in sackcloth. and that. It, it needs to be at the top of your prayer priority list. So I want to pray for it right now, pray about it. So will you close your eyes, Father? We're about to read out of your word, Lord, and there is no other book that has ever been printed or ever will be printed that, that means or can say or do what this book tells us, Lord. So I realize, God, the enemy is at work right now. He's trying to preoccupy our thoughts right now with meaningless things that have no eternal value whatsoever. Lord, he is reminding us of things we haven't even thought about this week, but somehow or another, they just popped in our mind. I cast down vain imaginations in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost in this place, Lord. And I pray, God, because what we just read together on that screen is the very heart of you, Jesus. And it breaks your heart because you paid a high price so that the captive could be set free and be liberated, O oh Lord. And God, today we pray, help us to see men the way you see them. And Lord, help us to understand even though we don't know the exact day, time, or hour, we do know that it's about to happen, Lord. And we need to look up and we need to roll up our sleeves because our redemption draws nigh. So help us to decrease so you can increase and anoint me, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, and all that you do, I'll give you praise and honor and glory. And God's people said amen. I told you just a moment ago that we were being set up by the Holy Spirit all this week for this, this service right now. I have not talked to Pat at all before he said what he said during worship. 
I, do, I did know about some of the songs that were being sung this morning. But I, I, I didn't know about the things that were shared with the men on Thursday night until I had uh, spoken with Ronnie this week and he just, he told me what was go- that he was sharing with the men and then I got kind of got confirmation for that this, this morning. But God had been dealing with me for about two or three weeks about this message right here today. And I, I want you to really, a lot of preachers use this word and I've, I don't know that I've ever used the word lean, but I don't want you to lean in today. I want you to leap in. I don't, I don't want you to lean, man. I, I want you to leap over yourself. I want you to leap over your, your way of thinking, your way of understanding, and I want you to jump into what God has prepared for all of us. So are you good with leaping today? Leaning means you're not all the way in. It just means if I kind of lean in. But if I leap in, it's every part of me. So I'm asking you to together we're going to leap in. And I want to begin by telling you a a story about um, a nobleman's son that was actually healed. And I'll read the story. but, But this is about a Christmas subject that we had, I think, about two years ago. And the nobleman's son story in the Bible is actually recorded in John's gospel. In fact, everything that I'm going to talk about pretty much so it is told by John today. And in the fourth chapter in the 46th verse, the Bible says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water to wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea, into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son. Notice, he didn't say pray for his son. Heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And that's the word there, believe. Then the nobleman said to him, Sir... Come down before my child dies. Jesus said, go your way. Your son lives. So the man, say it with me, believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went his way and now he was going down. His servants met him and told him, saying, hey, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday... At the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself, say it again, believed and his whole household. This is the second miracle Jesus did. First one was the water and the wine. Did Jesus physically go to the house to pray for the boy? No. Did Jesus... Pray for the boy. No, he didn't. No, he didn't pray. Jesus, not only did he not go down there, Jesus didn't even say a prayer for the boy. All he did, now see, I got to be really careful today because the Lord, I told you three times, the Lord has set this service up this week. 
And if you walk too close to this, this altar area up here, you're going to get wet, and I'm going to go on and tell you. You're going to get wet because it's just rolling through here today. And I got to be careful because y'all didn't come to watch me backpedal today. So here we go. Jesus did not go down there. Jesus did not say a prayer for him. The only thing that Jesus did was honor the level of belief that the man already professed and had in his heart. That's all he did. He just simply believed. And when Jesus detected that level of belief, he said, go, it's done. See, the only thing that has to happen to a lot of people in this room right now You've just got to understand that Jesus, hallelujah, is sitting and waiting to intersect with a level of belief that you may not be at yet. And the miracle's already done. The price is already paid. The stripes are already embedded in his back. The dimples are already in his skull and in his head. He's already done all the work. All you got to do is get to a level where you say, Lord, I'm now ready to believe. And if you believe... I'm not the first one that said it, but if you believe, you really do receive. That was the first occurrence where the Lord just taught us a great lesson about believing. The next one's actually over in John chapter 6. You'll flip over a page or two or scroll over. You'll read in verse 60 of that chapter, Jesus is dealing with a bunch of religious people now. I'm going to tell you. If you want to get confused, if you want to live less than what God's got for you to live, just hang around a bunch of religious people and the devil will suck the life right out of you. Anybody want to amen that? You been there, done that? Hey, listen, if you want to stay encouraged, hang around sinners that you can let Jesus rub off on. Church people will jack you up. You hear me? People will want you to think they're all that. They know all that. They've been there. They can tell you how to do it all. And what they're not telling you is they just backslid worse than Judas Iscariot out in the parking lot before they walked into church. Stay away from church people unless you're coming together in one mind and one accord. I didn't think I'd hear that on my 40th reunion. Stay away from them. I've already said to you folks many times, most people could not hang around Jesus because just like I just read, when he come to ask for prayer, he said, he didn't pray. You won't believe unless you see. You said, well, he's insensitive. He's intolerant. Jesus would have had every label you could think of. The world's labeled the church today. He earned them all. So you've got to know that if you want to stay encouraged in the Lord, unless you are in one mind and one accord, your brother and sister in Christ is going to take you down if you ain't careful. All of that's free of charge today, and I didn't plan on saying a bit of it, so there we go. But there's a second instance in the Bible when Jesus here in this sixth chapter Jesus had said something that I preach on a lot. Jesus had made a statement, and I'm going to tell you the statement. I won't read it. But Jesus said this right here. He said, unless you eat my flesh 
and you drink my blood, you're not going anywhere. It's not going to happen for you. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. And it wasn't the world that got tender and ticked off. It was the church, the religious people that could not handle that. See, I've always said, you can handle and I can handle preaching and the word up into a certain level. But when it crawls in your trash and it gets in your closet, you're going to come out swinging either at yourself or the person that's delivering the mail. You know what? I thought I was going to have to calm y'all down after that one, but it there wasn't no trouble in here. Because the word is sharper. And what does sharp stuff do? It cuts you. I will cut you. It cuts you. And when you get cut, you bleed. And when you bleed, you don't like it. It hurts. And it's messy. And so Jesus was cutting people with the word that day when he said something very, very offensive in his own neighborhood pretty much. The people said, he's a local boy. I, what, what, what does he mean when he says that? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And before I read the scripture, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this. That Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could just bump into him every now and then. Jesus intended for every person that would walk up to Calvary is not just get a free ticket so you can go to heaven when you die, but he literally wanted to become your diet. He wanted to become your buffet. He wanted to become how you live because God's already said it's in him that we live and we move and we have our being. So Jesus wants you to be full and he wants you to be fed on him all of the time. Not the world, not what you think, not what the church stands for, and God forbid, not any man-made doctrine. Jesus intended when he died on the cross for you to be consumed by him and for you to consume him. That's what he meant. So now that I've told you the story, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, disciples now, not people who was on the bubble, not lukewarm people, disciples. Disciples means people that were already following him. This ought to be a wake-up call today. This is, I mean, we're talking to church people today, here, outside of here. When his disciples heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples, I love the way the New King James said, when his, when, when his, he knew what they were thinking and saying when they complained. You remember me telling you about a few minutes ago, stay away from church people. How many of you know of a church person since you've been going to church has ever complained around you? I want you to physically raise your hand. If you've been in church past one time and you didn't raise your hand, I need to talk to you. I need to sit at your feet. You need to tell me where you've been because I need to go there. He don't, he don't like complaining. Why don't he like complaining? He don't like complaining because 
a nail was driven into his hand. But he didn't complain. People spat in his face when he hung naked on a cross, but he didn't complain. People took a whip and literally, after taking 90, 39 lashes, ripped the flesh from his body and you could see his cavity. He didn't complain, church. I don't think the people of God should ever complain once you met Jesus Christ. You can testify and you can tell of the great things of God, but you don't need to complain. Don't complain. It's not in the script and it's not part of God's design. And he said, I know they're complaining. They're complaining. I cannot believe they're complaining. And I'm about to have every right in the world to complain. And I'm not going to complain. In fact, I'm going to do the opposite of complain. The person that's driving the spikes in my hands, I'm going to look up and say, Father, forgive them for they know not. Ouch, it hurts. Quit, quit, quit. He don't like complaining, church. He likes praise. He likes worship. He likes testimony. He likes people that deny themselves and they take up their cross and follow him. That's who he likes. He says, so does this offend you? Does this offend you, disciples? Does this offend you, church people? Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And that scripture goes on to say, For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and would betray him. And, and if you read down two more verses, it says, from that time on, many of those disciples, that group of people, no longer followed Jesus because they were offended and the saying was too hard. I'm going to tell you, and I'm sorry for all of our visitors, every week I want to come in here and get my butt kicked by the Word of God. Do you hear me? I don't want to leave here without feeling on fire for God or broken and convicted. I come into the emergency room every week because I'm hurting and I need help. I don't walk in here to watch these people or expect anybody to come in here to see me perform. I come in here because this is God's house and he ordained his house. He ordained worship. He ordained the word. In fact, the word was the word that became flesh. I come in here and I don't ever want to leave here like I came in Jesus' name. Never. And there's been hundreds if not Thousands of people in the past 16 or whatever years have walked out of those doors and not come back because they were offended. And I imagine any preacher anywhere that's preached the truth long enough out of the Word, it's happened at that church too. Because it's a knife. It was not intended to be a sleep number bed. Although, hallelujah, sometimes... 
It'll hold you at your worst moment. Anybody identify with that? When you don't know it, it's the Word of God that will pick you up and carry you on from glory to glory. It's the Word of God. But then there's other times you can walk in and you know you've been up to no good and it's trash this, trash that. You've tried to please people. You've tried to please yourself. You've tried to please everybody but God and what he's instructed. And so when you hear the word of God, it rips you to death. But you're not going to take it on the cheek and fall on your knees. You know what that preacher said. You know what they said. And we want to blame people for the Holy Ghost getting a hold of us. So this is what he said. These people are going to quit following me because they don't, the second time we've heard it today, believe. They don't believe. See, when you don't believe, you won't receive. Have I said that already today? Yes, I have. And the devil will allow you to believe a little bit. If he knows you're just going to be adamant about this heaven thing, going to heaven. Okay, he'll allow you to believe that Jesus died for your sins, but he's going to always try to stop you from going any farther and even questioning that. Because, see, you've got to believe. You've got to believe that Jesus is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently sleep. You've got to believe this. You're not going to find it out here on a billboard and the whole world accepted and people in secular media to publish. You've just got to believe it. I believe it. I receive it and I believe it. And if he can't stop you there, then he's going to go on to the next thing. And see the problem here, Jesus knew who would betray him. He knew the people that would walk away. The disciples would say, well, we followed him, you know, all the cool miracles. We followed him while it was good and the bills were being paid. We followed him while we weren't having trouble in our marriage. We followed him when we had a job. But now he's saying, he's wanting me to deny myself and follow him. I don't know. Uh, That that church is crazy. That preacher, he's gone gangster on us. I don't know what's wrong with him. It's just too hard. Let's go over here at this other church where they get out at 1159 and it's all good over there. Hey, y'all, I'm going to just stop. I'm not looking for applause. But multitudes, the 40-year people are clapping. So that means to tell me either they're right with Jesus and y'all wrong. They're outdoing you today. You better, you better pull it in. I'm about to land a plane in a minute. You better pull it in. It's getting away from you. Somebody's stealing your praise right now. You better do something. Hey, we didn't come here and look at Opie on display today. Hey, 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 hey. You better get with it, all I can tell you. God knew I needed y'all today. Lord, have mercy. I love everybody, but God, God knows when you just, you, you, just, you just need somebody to help you preach, all right? You got to believe. Hallelujah. See, I'd, I'd have been through, but then people showed up today and preached me on, and so... And let me tell y'all, hey, let me just, I, I, I know Ralph and people over there, but let me just tell y'all, now y'all saying all that, and other people sucking it in and taking out, but there's a couple of people in this church, maybe, that's thinking, I hope another reunion class don't ever come then. 
He'd have been through by now. But they didn't nobody come to please ourselves today, did we? So this is the second time. The nobleman's son, it was a matter of belief. And then here's the deal on, on these people that were following Jesus that was part of his team. They got to a level. So do you see what I meant earlier when I said we'll all go to a certain level of belief with Jesus? And he knew Judas would not believe. He knew who would betray him then and later on at the supper table. And this is what God told me earlier this week to tell you. That if you don't believe Jesus at the fullest that he will allow you to believe, you have a great chance of betraying him. So you just need to believe. If I'm going to be a Christian man, I need to be all in over my head. Do what you want to. You saved me from hell. I belong to you. So you just go on and saturate. I just believe whatever you want to do, God. And then there was a third time the Bible records in John chapter 7, one chapter over. And he said this, chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus was actually at a feast. This was the Feast of Tabernacles. Or, if you've studied this, it's the Feast of Booths, but they call it the Feast of Tabernacles. And verse 37 says this, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if, here goes another hard saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who, say it with me, believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now let me tell you, on the last day, Jesus did this. All right? Jesus did this on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles because over in the Old Testament, when they would have the Feast of Tabernacles, they would have, there was a part of that feast, a joyous celebration, that they would actually go, the priests would go down to the Pool of Siloam, and in a gold pitcher, they would get a pitcher of water, and they would bring it back up, and they would pour it on the altar. And that was to commemorate or remember and celebrate the miracle. Most of you probably remember Moses in the 17th chapter of Exodus talking about where the water came out of the rock with the, for the children of Israel. You remember that? And so from that time of God providing, they would always, at this celebration every year, they would commemorate and celebrate and worship and thank God for what he did. And they would actually quote, the Isaiah chapter 12, if you want to look at that, I'll read it for you. Chapter 12, verse 3. This is what they would, they would say. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells. I love the word, salvation. And they would quote this and people would sing and they would worship God as they would take and they would pour this water out on the, on the altar and it would be a great celebration. But Jesus, check this out, 
was the actual fulfillment of what they were celebrating during that feast. That's how they had to worship then, but they didn't have to worship that way now because Jesus was actually that well of water that will never run dry. The lady, you remember, at the well, the woman at the well, that's what he said. If you drink of this water, you will never run dry. And over, I believe, in the fourth chapter of John, he said, if you believe on me, out of you and from you will come a fountain. A fountain would come out. He meant that if you would accept me and believe on me, that you would receive salvation and this fountain would be not temporary, but it would be to everlasting life. And then he knew that just a matter of time, weeks later, that he would, he would quote another scripture. And Jesus said, now it's a little bit different because before when you met me and you received me, a fountain would come out of you. But now it's, it's a lot greater than this because a, an actual, verse 30, 39 says, when he spoke of the living water in verse 38, he spoke of rivers of living water. So you got a fountain when you accept Jesus. Now, where I'm about to go, and I really am going to finish when I get through, but I mean, in a minute. But I'm just going to warn everybody here, people listening, that I'm probably about to say some hard sayings here. So are y'all okay with that? I'm going to preach it anyway, but are you okay? We don't have time. We got ABC 11 telling us stuff that the church already ought to be sensitive of. And we ought to be out here doing something counteractive to what the world is already doing. Falling out of love with Jesus and the church and calling themselves. So we better be ready to be offended until we look more like Jesus and the cross. So here it goes. Jesus said, when you believe on me, your life's going to change. You're going to get a brand new name. Hallelujah. In heaven. And you're going to be part of the royal priesthood. A chosen generation. And you're going to be a person that's like a fountain going around. You're going to be telling everybody that used to run with you. Used to drink with you. Used to whore around with you. You're going to be telling. Yeah, I said in church, yes, yes, you need to be woken up this morning. Listen, uh, now it's all different because you've got a well inside of you, a fountain, and you go around, you tell, I ain't that man anymore. I'm not that, I know we used to do that, but let me tell you what happened. I met a man named Jesus, and I, if all that stuff was good, I would have went back to it, but my sins are forgiven, my name's been changed, my address has been changed. I don't even really live here anymore. I'm just on my way home. Let me tell you what he did. And the Bible says that's what happens when you get saved. A fountain comes inside of you. But then Jesus went on to say, he said, listen, hallelujah. He said, I got to go away. If I don't go away, and I just read it, but I'm going to have to read it again, I know. Verse 39, he said, if I don't go away, it's expedient. He, he meant it's, it's urgent. It's important. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, the comforter's going to come. The Spirit, I told you, 
put your waiters on, church. The comforter's going to come. And when the comforter comes, it's not going to be just a fountain or a little uh, a sprinkler inside of you where you tell everybody, oh, no. When the comforter comes, oh, it's going to be a river flowing out of you, man. Everywhere you go, man, not only are you going to tell people because of the fountain, but now out of your belly is going to be rivers of living water because he was referring to on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost would come down like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the room that it was going to baptize yes they were saved but they were not filled and he knew they had to have the fuel in order to be not just a fountain now but they needed what came along with that river experience they needed the gifts they needed to be able to pray when they didn't have human or English words they needed to be able to go and lay hands on people they needed to go up and be able to witness to people that just Moments before when they were saved, they were just scared and intimidated. Leave all that to the missionaries. I got a newsflash. You are the missionary in the United States of America. Where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you play, you are the missionary. And this is what you got to do. You got to understand that there's no way you're going to be able to boldly proclaim the word of God if you are not a river where it's just coming out of you all the time. Now, verse 39, now that I've said that, let's read that again. On the last day of the great feast, verse 37, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink salvation. That's salvation. Then he tells us about the upper room. He says, he who, say it with me again, church, believes in me as the scriptures have already said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So he said, you got to believe in me first in order to, he used the word receive. Third time today I brought that up. You can't receive the gift if you don't believe the gift giver still wants to give you the gift. Peter, the apostle. A lot of people say, well, I know a lot of the Bible. And this is where, because people say, I wasn't raised this way. I don't understand it, you know. And can I just go on and do something about the gray elephant in the room? The devil has messed so many people and denominations up with the gifts of tongues that they completely stay away from the river that God wants to do in their life. Some of the smartest theologians are some of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life. It's a hard saying, church. It's a hard saying. And Jesus knows who's serious and who can accept it or who just wants to stay in their little world, not bother anybody, but go to heaven. Well, he didn't save us for that, church. He saved us and gave us tools and equipment and fuel so we can finish what he left here to finish while he's working on your house up there until the day that he calls you home. Peter had all the word. He walked with Jesus. Check this out. He lived 
with Jesus. He fed. He participated in the miracles of Jesus. So not only did he know the word in his mind, he was a That actually wasn't the battery. That was me preaching, hitting the button. Peter knew the word. It was with him. But what did he do? See, this is why I tell you, you've got to address, because now every one of you here visiting or here, and you've always wondered over the years or watching, I'm throwing it out there. It's off these hands. You're going to have to do something with it. I'm doing something with it. Now you're going to have to do something with it. I'm going home to eat and kick back today. You hear me? So it's, it's getting off of me quick. Peter, with all of this, gifts, knowledge, all the things he was able to do, Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me, son. You, you're going to deny me. You're going to do it three times. Oh, no, I ain't. I'm on fire. It's a good church service. I ain't going to do that. Jesus said, yeah, y'all, you're going to do it three times before the rooster burps twice. You're going to do it. Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. So they come and get Jesus. They all gone. Peter's out around the fire. Y'all know the story, don't you? Let's rub them hands together. Let's get around that fire. It's cold, man. It's cold. Hey, man, wasn't you with them? No, I, I, who are you talking to? No, 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 no. I'd probably favor one of them. I, hey, let's say it like, I get that a lot. No, I ain't him. Then the girl asked him again. No, I'm sure not. Now he kicks it up a notch, see. If you believe it's not in place, betrayal is, okay? No, mm -mm, now he, he's not happy with that because he feels like his flesh is on the line. So he ups it a notch and he starts cussing. Then he is cussing and then again, time number three, now he's cussing, saying no, and he's adamant. And he's pitching a fit. I want to tell all you people that saved. And you've been taught and you've been told that's all there is. That that happened a long time ago. You mean to tell me I can show you a news flash that was 24 hours old about how many people. We've got people killing people, raping people. We've got people trying to be men, men trying to be women. Monkeys trying to get with donkeys. Donkeys trying to get with mosquitoes. And everything under the sun you can name. And you tell me we don't need the fire and the gifts and the knowledge and to operate in the power of God anymore. I don't know what planet you are on. But listen, if it fixed everything back then, the world would be heaven on earth now. But the Lord says, it's not just for you. He said, but it's for you, 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 your children, and as many who as a far off will believe so you can accept that doctrine you can accept that denial but when it comes to the deeper things of God you're going to betray him. you're going to betray him because it's a hard saying it's very uncomfortable it's uncomfortable in this room right now I don't know what to do. I'm offended. I wish we hadn't have done this today. I wish we'd have went where the preacher tells everybody just to have a good Monday. Just think good thoughts and do good deeds out in the world. See, that's what you get, church. 
It, uh, do you know church? And I, I got to quit because see now I'm starting to do these kinds of things. It ain't my fault. I'm hungry and tired. It ain't my fault. I'm not doing this. But we now, we like church and we like the word of God like a vending machine or Netflix. We want to pick what we want for what we're going through with right now. Amen. It's like we want to go to the doctor tomorrow. We don't want him to tell us what's going on in there. We want him to tell us in spite of the cancer, just tell me I'm going to live 742 more years. It's as many as afar off who will believe. Now you can disregard it. You'll still go to heaven. I've been hearing messages about this where I go pray on Monday sometime for about two or three months now. I've been hearing it in other places. God's been revealing it to me. God's laying it on other people's heart nature. And I don't even find all this stuff out until after the fact. So after a while, you just wise up and you see what God's doing. You hear me? God is speaking to his body, but will his body... Many follow him or will they turn because the saying is so. Yes, you can go to heaven as a Christian. I just heard this preached about a week or two ago. You can go to heaven. Yes, but you're not there yet. That's the bad news. Okay? The bad news is you're still here where hell is all around you. Okay? And you just can't quote what you learn in Awanas or VBS or Vacation Bible School with multitude. You just can't show them your perfect attendance Sunday school. Somebody's got to hit the ground in the morning that's full of the power of the Holy Ghost and say, Devil, you can come up to me with depression. I can lose my job today. Or you can remind me that I'm an addict. But I'm telling you right now, I've already prayed and the Spirit of God is on me and I'm going to tell everybody I can about Jesus. I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going to pray for people who are lost and without Jesus. So you just go ahead. And this is where you know, a lot of people I know, and there's nothing wrong, they'll get on trip planes and go to Honduras or Haiti or Africa for one week, but they keep their mouths shut the other 51 weeks of the year in their own backyard and won't live because they go where nobody knows them. Boy, is that a lot of hard saying. Let me make sure all that was in there. I just, I, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. But I know what's going to happen when you leave this church. You're going to walk back out in that world where he's got so many things planned to trip you up, to hurt you, to make you mad, to get you concerned try to get you back. He's going to try to get the dog to return back to their vomit if he can. He's going to do all these things because see what the church doesn't realize and has forgotten that he is the prince and the ruler of the air. That's why he offered Jesus everything. He, he said it's been given to me and I can offer it to people. I can distract people. I can buy people out and still make them feel okay while they go to church. But you got to believe. Or when it comes your way. When it comes your way. And see, I didn't even finish the story. So let me finish it. 
Peter did all the denying. See, I told you all the bad stuff. Now, in between the time, y'all listen to this, and I promise you, unless the Holy Ghost does something that just I don't know about yet, I'm going to ask you to stand after I say this. So do we have an agreement you're going to listen to this part? From the time he, the Lord showed me this to show you right now. From the time he denied Jesus the third time, and Jesus looked back at Peter, you remember, and the Bible says he wept bitterly. From that time until the day of Pentecost, he didn't have time to go enroll in seminary. He didn't really have time to read the law a whole lot. There's too much going on. He didn't have time to go sit under somebody that could teach him the proper and correct way we believe. There wasn't no time. So the word was already in him. The denier. The one that lied. The one that cursed. The denier. The liar. No time to get any more Bible. No time at all. So what happened? The next time we hear about him, I want you to tell me. What happened, church? The day of Pentecost, like a mighty rushing wind, hallelujah, came into the upper room and fell among all 120 of them, cloven tongues of fire. There was a big summit conference going on, and they came out, and they were speaking and praising God in languages that were not their native language, and all these people who were educated and knowledgeable, they said, we hear these people, these dumb, ignorant, unlearned people. We hear them glorifying God in our own language. And then we see a picture of a room of people. And he's not a deceiver. He's not a liar. He's not cussing and saying, I don't know him. Now, he hadn't gone anywhere. He hadn't bought tapes and enrolled in something online to learn anymore. But he was filled, he believed, even though he deceived and lied, he still believed the words. And when he believed the word that was in him, that was a part of him, he found himself in an upper room. He was filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the next time we hear a report about him, he's standing up. Boldly proclaiming he's not a scaredy cat, he's not a lie. And he's saying, men and brethren, let me tell you about this man named Jesus. And when he got through going through the whole account of Jesus and everything, the room was so full of electricity and the power and the Spirit of God. The Bible says that about 3,000 people got saved. Now you can sit here and you can walk out of this church when I dismiss and say, I'm good with what I got. But if you want to believe that God can do a lot more with you than what's going on right now, I'm telling you, all you got to do is believe. Now you can stand up. Anybody just want to put your hands together and say, glory. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, listen. I'm not going to draw this out. If the word doesn't speak to you this morning, there is nothing the preacher can do. But I'm going to tell you that 
not me, what I have said, but what the Spirit of God has said through this book today, you will stand before God and you will give an account for it. And I'm going to tell you something else. Quit, quit bothering my God with prayer requests when you refuse to believe Him. He may want to fill you with the Holy Ghost so you can go fix the problem. Man, wasn't your sins on the cross enough? Do you still have to load him down every day? What did I tell you about the nobleman's sin? What did I tell you about him? A lot of people, still, you're still having a hard time. Go all the way book, all the way in the New Testament, and there's a group of people already believe. He's, 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 well, we believe in Jesus. Yeah, we believe, he said, but... Uh, have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? Now, this is after Pentecost if you're still struggling. He said, we, 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 don't, we ain't even heard if there be a Holy Ghost. And if you're uncomfortable with that, I'll change it. Holy Spirit. I know it's, it's October. You don't want me to use the word ghost, do you? Well, I'm using the word ghost. You want me to tell you why I'm using the word ghost? Because everybody has beautified the Holy Spirit and they've turned it into something that's like user-friendly, that's non-offensive anymore. Oh, Holy Spirit. But when they say Holy Spirit, they're not talking about tongue-talking, spirit-filled, gift-giving God, Holy Ghost. They're just talking about the one that's user-friendly. I'm glad I got that out. Boy, that felt better. Whew. So let me tell you this morning, I'm tired of reading news reports. I'm tired of Facebook posts. I, I, I'm tired of the 7 o'clock news. I am. I'm tired of it. I'm ready for revival to fill the pages of everything you read. Hey, I'm tired of complaining. I'm tired of me complaining. I'm ready for the conversation of the day is you know what God just did? You know what God just did in my home? You know what God just did at my, at my job in the break room? You know what God just did in my family? You know what God just did in my church? You know who came to church yesterday? Sloppy drunk, sloppy full of drugs and gave their heart to Jesus? You know what God just did? The whole earth is supposed to be full of His glory, church. And the only people going to glorify him is his body. Every person that's not scared, and you don't care if the devil has got a telescope from hell looking at you today, you're not scared to believe in what God can do in your life. I want you to meet me right here.